welcome back to Tuning In From Within. My name is Kara. And I'm Kelly. And today we will be discussing the public health implications of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. But before we get started, we want to take a moment to acknowledge something about the language we'll be using in this episode. Yes, as always, we recognize and honor the reality that cisgender women are not the only people who get pregnant, give birth, nurse babies, and provide care for children. That being said, many of the legal records and academic resources we're relying on use language that regards gender in a binary sense, meaning that we will occasionally be using the term woman and she, her when referring to birthing people and people who can become pregnant. So on June 24th of 2022, which was just, it feels like it was just yesterday, Mm -hmm. but from the time of this recording, at least the Supreme court overturned Roe versus Wade. So this is a landmark ruling that for 49 years protected a person's right to get an abortion. When Roe v. Wade was first enacted back in 1973, the decision struck down many federal and state abortion laws and fueled an ongoing abortion debate in the United States. Mm-hmm. So one reason we really wanted to do this episode is because as public health professionals, Kara and I signed on to basically a code of ethics saying that we will help guide people to credible resources for all things health related. So today we're going to unpack some of the public health implications that overturning Roe has on us individually and also as a society. Like every other episode, we will be providing you with information and resources about where you can still access safe abortions or contraceptive needs, as well as links to organizations fighting to protect this right at the state and individual level. And it's all going to be in our show notes. And if you are not a person that can give birth, you know that there's going to be some resources and call to actions for you as well. And we waited a bit to record this because there was a lot of uproar, rightfully so, you know, the week or two after, but it is still a relevant topic and it will still impact us every day. So Kel, let's Mm -hmm. first talk about what is an abortion? Let's talk about that. An abortion, as stated by the National Health Services, NHS, is a procedure to end a pregnancy by emptying the uterus. It is also sometimes known as a termination of a pregnancy. And there's actually a few ways to get an abortion. You can either take a series of two pills, one that blocks the production of progesterone, which will stop pregnancy tissue from growing, and then one to empty the uterus, which typically feels like a heavy period. And then there are two different in-clinic procedures you can get. And the basis of both is that a medical professional is manually going through the cervix to clean out the tissues from the uterus. So that will be an immediate abortion and the two pills will take a couple days. Mm -hmm. Thank you for explaining that. I feel like that baseline knowledge, like you Mm -hmm. said, is often forgotten about Yeah, because it's overshadowed by everyone saying, oh, it's a baby dying. The fetus is dead. Yes. Like, let's actually understand the medical side of it and what's going on. Yes. Thank you for asking the question, Kara. Always. I have another. (laughs) Oh my, please. Shoot. (laughs) So another common argument that I have always heard is how can you have an abortion? It's inhumane because the fetus can feel the pain of it. So Kel, can a fetus actually feel pain? Great question, Kara. I'm so happy you asked me this. There is actually a Nebraska law that bans abortions, citing the fact that the fetus can feel pain. 
And the truth is, fetuses cannot feel pain. The Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecology has done intensive research on this and found that before 24 weeks in gestation, the cortex and periphery areas of the brain are not attached. And that means that the fetus cannot feel anything. Further, they found that feeling pain actually requires consciousness, which a fetus does not have while in the womb. Okay, this is interesting because that's false information that's being thrown out. That is fake mm-hmm. news right That there. is in a law too, like misinformation yeah. ingrained in a law. That is so wild to me. And like, we'll be talking about this more too, of again, the public health implications, but what we're talking about and what was already in place were evidence-based practices. And so throwing out these laws that are unjust, but also just don't make sense are not based on evidence or research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is totally wild. But Kara, I have a question for you, and that is, who gets abortions? Well, Kelly, let me tell you, all types of people with a uterus. So people from all socioeconomic classes, religions, races get abortions. Even people that already have children, people that are in a place where they just, their family is set, they don't want to have any more kids. Whatever the situation is, that is not important. It's about the person's right to be able to access it. Here are some quick stats outlining the demographic of people who get abortions. About 40% of people who get abortions are white, have some sort of religious affiliation, and are lower income. And we do have this report listed in the show notes, so definitely Mm -hmm. check it out. Yeah, and I mean, look into that further for people that are interested. And I want to point out, too, that statistics only grab so much data. I think there's Mm. other people that don't want to list their demographic information. So I'm sure there's a lot that's underreported as well. Yeah, an important caveat. So what implications are there for banning this right for all people? There are numerous things that this is having implications on, but I'll highlight a few of the big ones. So the first one, and this is as cited by Anti-Racism Daily, So they said with the ruling on Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court explicitly stated that this decision did not extend to contraception, but states are already challenging access to contraceptive care. So in Missouri, for example, the Senate voted to ban common forms of contraceptives from being paid for by the state's Medicaid program. My God. Yes. That's insane. So, and they were the first state to ban all abortions after the Supreme Court decision. So it's wild to me. I keep throwing that out, but banning contraceptives just seems really in- counterintuitive to what's happening with banning abortions. Because if you're not giving people with a uterus, birthing people the option to not conceive, to mm-hmm. solely rely on the pull and pray method or using a condom, which a lot of people don't, and we all should, but for a, a person that can have a child, they should at least have the right to be able to prevent that, if you're going to take away the right to be able to terminate that. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, there are treaties of international human rights committees that state access to legal abortion is a fundamental human right, and pregnant people themselves should be able to choose. It is not up to the state. And to your point, you know, that just minutes after the Supreme Court decision, a state was ready to ban all abortions. It's it's like they have all this stuff in the pipeline just ready for the go, but is this really where we should be focusing our political energy? 
especially if it's a human rights issue. Kelly, can you remind us of what the Declaration of Human Rights is? So access to safe abortions are part of the following rights, um, the rights to life, liberty, privacy, equality, and non-discrimination, as well as freedom from cruel, inhumane, and degrading treatment. I said right to life. In this, we are talking about the right of the person giving birth. People who are vulnerable to high-risk pregnancies or complications during their pregnancy increase their risk of death if not given the opportunity to receive an abortion. Many states are actually trying to ban any procedure that could terminate the fetus or that those pregnancy tissues, even those that are life-saving for the person carrying the baby. Yeah. So, Kel, to kind of expand on that, too... And just to be very clear with people, this can also mean someone that's experiencing a miscarriage. Yes. Which is terrifying because miscarriages are really common. So common. Yeah. And and for someone to call a miscarriage an abortion, so many people that have a miscarriage really want that baby. Yeah. They might be people that have a planned pregnancy mm-hmm. and have gone through family planning or whatever that looks like for their family dynamic. And that's such an upset when that happens, but for them Mm -hmm. to not be able to access proper care, like the medication that helps to get rid of the pregnancy tissue, that medication is actually the same that's used for abortions. And so to group that all together is where it gets really messy, it gets really tricky, Mm -hmm. but that's one of those unintended or maybe intended consequences that I think we're going to be seeing a lot of moving forward in these states that are really strict with their abortion bans, Mm -hmm. which is really terrifying. Yeah, it puts providers in a really sticky situation because people who want to be an ethical healthcare provider may be challenged, sued, stripped of their license because they give this medication for someone who is having a miscarriage they could be tried in court for this, which yes. is crazy, just for trying, just for doing what's medically necessary. I know, because the fetus at that point, the pregnancy tissue, mm-hmm. is not viable. Right. And it doesn't always come out of the body naturally. So it's just not how it works. I yeah. actually heard a story, or I was reading a story on a woman in Texas who planned pregnancy, they were hoping for a baby, and ended up having a miscarriage and she went back to her doctor and had to get a couple ultrasounds to prove that the baby was not viable. And then at that point, I think the doctor still refused to give her proper care. So she eventually had to seek out an abortion clinic, but her doctor wouldn't treat her because they were scared to break any law that was in place. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's things like that. And even I heard a story of someone, you know, going in for stomach pain and the first thing people usually do with stomach pain is like okay let's just do a urine test to rule out any form of pregnancy and they just would not do that they stopped kind of any sort of care because they didn't want to be liable as a provider if that person was pregnant um they don't oh, want so to... this was just someone going in yes like not even pain. yeah oh that's interesting i know And our medical system is already basically hanging on by a string. Situations like this are a great example of how an abortion ban can actually increase medical malpractice, which can play into our already embarrassingly high maternal mortality rates. And maternal mortality. We have the highest rates of maternal mortality. 
of any westernized nation. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that in the episode with Joyce Bang, where we dive into disparities in the delivery room. And so she mentions a little bit further about how the U.S. has the highest maternal mortality rates, as I had just mentioned. Um, but predominantly, if someone is of color, black and brown communities. So that alone, I mean, if you knew that that was your statistic, you were part of that statistic. That's scary. Maybe you don't want to have a baby. Maybe you don't want to be a part of that and you want the option to be able to terminate the pregnancy or have a contraception, whatever the case is. Again, right to life, right to choice over Mm -hmm. your body. Those fundamental human rights. So as I had just mentioned, the increase in maternal mortality rates, the School of Public Health at the University of Washington actually cites other reasons why the criminalization of abortion is a public health issue and should be seen as such. Mm -hmm. So the first is there will be an increase in unsafe abortions. What does that mean? So for people that need an abortion or desperate to have one, they will seek out an abortion however they can. Mm. This is what people were doing before we had Roe v. Wade. I don't want to get into the details of it because it's honestly awful, but people are desperate. Abortions are still going to happen whether they're legal or not. Right. The second piece here is criminalization of pregnant people has disproportionately impacted Black, Indigenous people of color and continues to. So this is another health concern that is impacting Black and brown communities that we fail to realize. Because we think about someone that comes from privilege, like you or myself, if I was ever Mm -hmm. in this situation, I could travel somewhere to get it. I could make that commute. I could do what I needed to do to get that abortion. But people in these communities don't have the same access and privilege. Mm -hmm. And then the third piece here is that people denied abortions actually have an increased level of anxiety, stress, risk of poverty or living at poverty, debt, evictions. Mm -hmm. Mm. Financial situations are a real consideration you need to take in when having another baby. And I, I think that people kind of forget that. Um, And I want to dive into the weeds a little bit with a specific study. It's called the Turnaway Study. It included a thousand participants and followed them over five years. It's a longitudinal study measuring the impact of people who were denied abortions and had to carry unwanted pregnancies to term. They found that women who received a wanted abortion are more financially stable, set more ambitious goals, raise children under more stable conditions, And they're more likely to have a child when they choose to or want to later in life. Women who were denied an abortion past the gestational limit are more likely to experience serious complications from the end of pregnancy, including eclampsia and even death. More likely to stay tethered to abusive partners. More likely to suffer anxiety and loss of self-esteem in the short term after being denied abortion. Uh, They're less likely to have aspirational plans. Also, the children born of non-wanted pregnancy, as well as children that are already existing in that family, are associated with poorer maternal bonding and impact on poverty level. Banning abortions is so much more complicated than conservative legislators think it is. And other people, and even constituents, voters, whoever else that are against abortions, Listen to everything that we just spit out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a lot that goes into it. You know, 
people will often cite a person has to have this baby. It's their fault. They're the ones that are pregnant. And then we don't have the social safety nets in place to support someone who has an unplanned baby. And I just want to point out that I am a Christian and I think that it's really important to bring that up in this conversation because as a Christian, I ask other Christians to consider what pro-life means to them. While children are often a miracle, sometimes a situation can actually be extremely burdensome on the person who is pregnant and their support system if they even have one. So if you're a Christian who believes abortion should be illegal, and honestly, this is for everyone, I want to ask whether or not you'd be willing to be the support system for a new parent. Would you be there to help them when no one else is? Would you be there to make them food, to help change the baby? Also, on a, on a more grand scale, are you supporting policies and politicians that are voting to increase our welfare programs and even just keep the welfare programs, such as foster care, universal health care, SNAP, which is formerly known as food stamps, free and reduced lunches, and all the things that help people care for the child and the family after birth? Mm-hmm. It's not just an evil person wanting to get rid of a baby. It's so fucked up that we think that we can put the blame on the individual like that. As someone who made the choice to have their baby, it was hard. It was so hard. Even though I had an easier pregnancy, there's so many emotions involved. There were sacrifices that were made. I couldn't imagine if I wasn't in the mindset of wanting to have that baby, how that would impact me in the long term. Thank you for sharing that point of view. Um, I think our main takeaway from this episode is really to ask our listeners to consider their stance on this issue and look at it from a non-biased, a science-based, and public health perspective. We all know someone who's had an abortion, and this law affects our society as a whole, not just those with uteruses. Yes, and in addition to that, for all of you men out there, penis owners, I want to ask if you're supporting those in your life who are pregnant. And are you being honest and holding other men accountable who brag about sexual intercourse with no condom? No glove, no love. <laughs> Boo to them. <laughs> are you having conversations about what it means to be a responsible sex partner? Mm, yeah, such good considerations. And I'm just going to say it. No uterus, no opinion. Let's talk about, you know, what can we do? What should we do? Fundraise to support low-income folks or community members that are seeking abortions. Again, we'll provide this in the show notes, but I know it's always difficult to hear, oh, just donate to this, donate Mm -hmm. to that, because we also have all the things that we're paying for, right? How I try to reframe this in my brain is I go out and buy way too many coffee, (laughs) during the week and I have coffee at home. If I just didn't do that a couple times a week and actually donated that to a good cause, that's a way for me to reframe, okay, that money is still going to something, mm-hmm. but it's something that's actually it's a good cause. Yeah, and if all of us did that, think of the difference it would make. Small sacrifices. Yes, and just like you have done while listening to this episode, you gotta educate yourselves. There's a lot of misinformation about abortion and how abortion is done. And it's really important to check the source. Is it scientifically based? Who is it funded by? When you 
have educated yourselves, you're more able to find that misinformation. And, you know, when conversing with family and friends, you can open up a dialogue that is really important. Mm -hmm. Also, I just want to say about 66% of people in America agree that abortion should be legal to some extent. So we all need to vote. Getting educated on who is running for office, looking at what have they voted for in the past, not just what they're saying, because we saw that many of the Supreme Court justices said, you know, Roe is the law of the land and they won't change it. And here we are. Bullshit. Um, yeah. I'm bull- sorry. No. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What was that? There's a tickle in my throat. We'll get it out. Drink some water. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. For more information about the topics we covered in this episode, head over to tuninginfromwithin.com and check out our show notes. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe to Tuning In From Within on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Once again, my name is Kara Solomsas. And I am Kelly Hurt, and our fabulous producer is Jernai Aniwar. Thanks for tuning in. Tuning Tuning out out for now. now.